Welcome to Folklore on the Rocks. <laughs> Hello there, everybody. I'm Logan. I'm Lindsay. And welcome to Folklore on the Rocks. Oh, we are so glad that you could be joining us one more time. We've got another great story in store. <laughs> we do. And we're actually doing a super duper special episode yeah. where we're only doing one story because it's so dang long. Yes, and it's also just one of my favorites since I was a little kid. And it's a super duper story with a lot of elements to it. So let's yeah. get rolling with it. Logan, Logan has been clamoring for this story for quite a while. Um, and we've actually also, we've had requests from multiple people to do it. So we just kind of figured, hey, why not? We're in that region for our next creature. We're also going to be doing another episode next week of Scandinavian Tales as well. Mm -hmm. This is also a Scandinavian tale, so you kind of get a twofer, which is always nice. We were maybe a little bit premature with springtime. Uh, (laughs) Here here in Utah, the snow has returned. Uh, (laughs) It's gotten nice and and miserable for a couple weeks. Yeah, the rain I like. The rain I, I can absolutely deal with. Yeah, but it's, no, you know, it's, not so much. it's fun to wander back up to the colder areas of the world and see just kind of what, again, just take another visit up there and, you know, find some more stories. Yeah, for sure. So tonight we're doing the tale East of the Sun and West of the Moon. There's multiple different versions of this story. The main one is, it's by um, Peter Christian Abjordson and Jorgen and Bredson Mo, I'm terrible with these names. That's all right. I for <laughs> for a very long time, I just thought they were two dudes named Esbjornsson and and Mo. Like yeah, that, you're that so was much their, better at those that. were their first names. It's, uh, it's your ancestry. It must be. <laughs> well, he is the. He, let's see, Esbjornsson. So, as yeah. being the prefix mean of the gods, Bjorn meaning there god, go. uh, meaning bear, and sun meaning sun. Oh uh, my so god, you're so of good the at holy that. Bear. And Mo. <laughs> And Mo. (laughs) Um, But they're Norwegian folklorists, and they collected this in a book of tales in like 1845-ish. And then it was later collected by Andrew Lang of the fairy book fame. He's -hmm. got many fairy books. This is from the Blue Fairy Book specifically from 1889. So not too many years later, we're going to be doing the Andrew Lang version tonight just because it's a little easier to understand and i think makes for a story that flows a a little bit better yeah it's it's just a little easier on the modern ear yeah and i'll tell you if anyone out there is you know looking for a a treat uh, maybe to read to somebody younger or a really great picture book um mercer mayer who did the little critter books uh has a beautifully illustrated rendition of this story Mm -hmm. that's kind of my favorite it's clearly the the Scandinavian fairy tale with a lot of other elements added in um, and some really rich illustrations that once you see them, uh, you're going to have a hard time picturing anything else. Yeah, they're really pretty. And uh, the illustrations in that are gorgeous. I've seen some of them. And I also, the illustrations in the Abjornsen, say it again, I don't know. Asbjornsen and Mo. Asbjornsen, there we go. <laughs> Book, it has illustrations by Kane Nielsen and they are also gorgeous. So if you want some really cool art, um, we'll put some in our show notes from both of those versions of this story. Yeah, we, but, we, did, a, we did a couple of episodes of just me recording uh, detailed descriptions of the pictures, but we found that it didn't really translate too well <laughs> to an audio format. <laughs> 
let's see, not a visual medium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're still working out what podcasting even is. What are we doing? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, I do um, know that it, it's much easier to figure out what we're doing if we've got a drink in our hand. Isn't that right, Linz? That is very true. We have a fun one tonight that will make a little bit more sense once we get into the story, but it is called The Polar Bear. And you can make this a couple different ways. You can make it as a shot or you can make it as a drink, but it's super duper easy. You stick it in a cocktail shaker. So, and it's just three ingredients. So you need an ounce of vodka, an ounce of clear creme de cacao. I don't ever know how to say that. Something like that. The chocolate, the clear chocolatey You know the one. That thing. Um, and then an ounce of clear creme de menthe. So you can usually get those in like, a, I think, a brown version of the creme de cacao and a green version of the creme de menthe. But it's not going to look great when you make this drink if you make it with, with the colored ones. Yeah. So pick the clear ones out. They should be really pretty easy to find at your local liquor store. But you put all three of those in, shake it in a cocktail shaker with a bunch of ice, and just strain it into a chilled martini glass and serve. And it's crystal clear and icy and just like the polar north, you know? Yeah. And it's it, it should brisk taste and like refreshing. a it's a good one. It should taste like a like a York peppermint patty. Kinda. Yeah, that's kinda that's kinda what it reminds me of. Uh the vodka though just makes it feel a little more classic. Drinky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, drinky. Yeah. So if you want to make it like the drink version, add the vodka. If you just want the shot, then just the creme de cacao and the creme de menthe should land you as a solid York peppermint patty shot. Mm-hmm. So that's our polar bear drink for tonight. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Uh, some fun news. We recently hit 10,000 downloads. What? 10,000? Insane. <laughs> And we are so grateful to you guys for, like, for some reason listening to us. Yeah, really. I don't know I, why. <laughs> I, I, we really appreciate it. I, we, we're hoping that you, you, if you find, well, all kinds of things to do, but thank you for including us in your day. Yes, we hope that we <laughs> make it a little more entertaining at the very least. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're really grateful. I mean, we never expected to get to 10,000 downloads, so that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> It'll sink in in, I know, in like still, six months, but by then it'll be... It's still really weird. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's 10, that's 10,000 in a li- like a little bit over six months. So you guys have been chugging along and we <laughs> really appreciate it. I've, I've stood in front of a crowd of 10,000 people before and it is a sea of people. It's a lot of people. It is so many. I've, I've, I've been lucky enough to see that many people in one place at one time. And you know. People just go on for... for you know, in this particular mm-hmm. case, it was in a field, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of people. So, <laughs> um, I think the coolest part about it is like, I, I, uh, I posted a map of like how all across the world you guys are and it's everywhere. And we honestly, that's the coolest part about this. I think is that we're being heard in places we've never been. And it's that's really exciting. Amazing, Yeah, that's something that's really cool about, about this medium and the time that we're living in. And yes, we are a podcast that celebrates all different time periods and all kinds of cultures. But really, that's something that's so unique to now mm-hmm. that uh, uh, you, we can tell a story into a microphone 
and it goes around the entire world to anybody who wants to hear it. And that's something really Instantly. cool. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's bananas. It's so great. <laughs> we're very excited and we're very appreciative. So moving on from that and our excitement, <laughs> uh, we first quickly have a promo for you guys and then we'll hop right into our story. Um, our promo is for the show Grave Girls. And these ladies, they combine some some really fun things. They they review horror films, and then they link those films to a few different things. They talk about a creepypasta. They talk about a real-life, like, true crime story. And then they also include a, a story of survival. And that all of it is linked in some way to the film that they reviewed. So it's a, com- it's a combination of a lot of fun things. So I think you guys might like them, uh, and Sounds we're gonna, cool. yeah, we're gonna just play the promo for you right here. Yeah. Hi, we're the Grave Girls from Grave Girls Podcast. I'm your host Hawthorne, and I'm Amaryllis. Every week we watch a different horror film, and I find a scary story that goes with it that will definitely leave you shaken in your boots. And if you aren't wearing boots, my true crime case and murder. We'll scare the pants off you. And then you'll just be naked, and that's just that's just a fun time. So listen to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to check out our website at grave-girls.com. We love you all in case we die. Bye! Alright, so I hope you guys have a chance to check them out. Yeah, um, if, they if are pretty scary fun. movies and, and digging deep into what goes into them and what's behind them is your thing. Go for it. It's a, it sounds like a really Listen cool podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so we are going to hop into our tale now. Once again, it, this is East of the Sun and West of the Moon. We are doing the Andrew Lang version, and Logan is going to narrate this beautiful yet very long tale for us now. Yeah, strap in. This is a long one, but it is worth it. It's a long journey, but I'm excited that uh, you get to join us for it. So let's go. East of the sun, west of the moon. Once upon a time, there was a poor husbandman who had many children and little to give them in the way of either food or clothing. They were all pretty, but the prettiest of all was the youngest daughter, who was so beautiful that there were no bounds to her beauty. So once... It was late on a Thursday evening in autumn, and wild weather outside, terribly dark and raining so heavily and blowing so hard that the walls of the cottage shook again. They were all sitting together by the fireside, each of them busy with something or other, when suddenly someone rapped three times against the window pane. The man went out to see what could be the matter. When he got out there, there stood a great big white bear. "'Good evening to you,' said the white bear. "'Good evening,' said the man. "'Will you give me your youngest daughter?' said the white bear. "'If you will, you shall be as rich as you are now poor.' Truly the man would have no objection to be rich, but he thought to himself, "'I must first ask my daughter about this.' So he went in and told them all that there was a great white bear outside who had faithfully promised to make them all rich if he might but have the youngest daughter. She said no and would not hear of it. So the man went out again and settled with the white bear that he should come again next Thursday evening and get her answer. 
Then the man persuaded her, and talked so much to her about the wealth that they would all have, and what a good thing it would be for herself, that at last she made up her mind to go, and washed and mended all her rags, made herself as smart as she could, and held herself in readiness to set out. Little enough had she to take away with her. Next Thursday evening, the white bear came to fetch her. She seated herself on his back with her bundle, and thus they departed. When they had gone a great part of the way, the white bear said, Are you afraid? No, I am not, said she. Keep tight hold of my fur, then there is no danger, said he. And thus she rode far, far away, until they came to a great mountain. There the white bear knocked on it, and a door opened, and they went into a castle, where there were many brilliantly lighted rooms which shone with gold and silver. Likewise a large hall in which there was a well-spread table, and it was so magnificent that it would be hard to make anyone understand how splendid it was. The white bear gave her a silver bell, and told her that when she needed anything, she had but to ring this bell, and what she wanted would appear. So after she had eaten, and the night was drawing near, she grew sleepy after her journey, and thought she would like to go to bed. She rang the bell, and scarcely had she touched it before she found herself in a chamber where a bed stood ready made for her, which was as pretty as anyone could wish to sleep in. It had pillows of silk, and curtains of silk fringed with gold, and everything that was in the room was of gold or silver. But when she had lain down and put out the light, a man came and lay down beside her. And behold, it was the white bear, who cast off the form of a beast during the night. She never saw him, however, for he always came after she had put out her light, and went away before daylight appeared. So all went well and happily for a time. Then she began to be very sad and sorrowful, for all day long she had to go about alone, and she did so wish to go home to her father and mother and brothers and sisters. Then the white bear asked what it was she wanted, and she told him that it was so dull there in the mountain, and that she had to go about all alone, and that in her parents' house at home there were all her brothers and sisters, and it was because she could not go to them that she was so sorrowful. There might be a cure for that, said the white bear. If you would but promise me never to talk with your mother alone, but only when the others are there too, for she will take hold of your hand, he said, and will lead you into a room to talk to you alone. But that you must by no means do, or you will bring great misery on both of us. So one Sunday the white bear came and said that they could now set out to see her father and mother, and they journeyed thither, she sitting on his back, and they went a long, long way, and it took a long, long time. But at last they came to a large white farmhouse, and her brothers and sisters were running about outside it playing, and it was so pretty that it was a pleasure to look at it. "'Your parents dwell here now,' said the white bear. But do not forget what I said to you, or you will do much harm both to yourself and me. No, indeed, said she, I shall never forget. And as soon as she was at home, the white bear turned around and went back again. There were such rejoicings when she went into her parents that it seemed as if they would never come to an end. Everyone thought that he could never be sufficiently grateful to her for all that she had done for them all. 
Now they had everything they wanted, and everything was as good as it could be. They all asked her how she was getting on where she was. All was well with her, too, she said, and she had everything she could want. What other answers she gave I cannot say, but I am pretty sure that they did not learn much from her. But in the afternoon, after they had dined at midday, all happened just as the white bear had said. Her mother had wanted to talk to her alone, in her own chamber, but she remembered what the white bear had said, and would on no account go. What we have to say can be said at any time, she answered. But somehow or other her mother at last persuaded her, and she was forced to tell the whole story. So she told about how every night a man came and lay down beside her when all the lights were put out, and how she never saw him, because he always went away before it grew light in the morning, and how she continually went about in sadness, thinking about how happy she could be if she could just see him, and how all day long she had to go about alone, and it was so dull and solitary. Oh, cried the mother in horror, you are very likely sleeping with a troll, but I will teach you a way to see him. You shall have a bit of one of my candles, which you shall take away from you, hidden in your breast. Look at him with that when he is asleep, but take care not to let any tallow drop upon him. She took the candle and hid it in her breast, and when evening drew near, the white bear came to fetch her away. When they had gone some distance on their way, the white bear asked her if everything had not happened just as she had foretold, and she could not but own that it had. Then, if you have done what your mother wished, said he, you have brought great misery on both of us. No, I have not done anything at all. So when she reached home and had gone to bed, it was just the same as it had been before. And a man came and lay down beside her, and late at night, when she could hear that he was sleeping, she got up and kindled a light, lit her candle, and let her light shine on him, and saw him, and he was the handsomest prince that eyes had ever beheld, and she loved him so much, and it seemed to her that she must die if she did not kiss him at that very moment, so she did kiss him, but while she was doing it, she let three drops of hot tallow fall upon his shirt. And he awoke. Oh, what have you done now? said he. You have brought great misery on both of us. If you had but held out for the space of one year, I should have been free. I have a stepmother who has bewitched me that I am a white bear by day and a man by night. But now all is at an end between you and me, and I must leave you and go to her. She lives in a castle which lies east of the sun and west of the moon. And there, too, is a princess with a nose which is three ells long. And she now is the one whom I must marry. She wept and lamented, but all in vain, for go he must. Then she asked him if she could not go with him. But no, that could not be. Can you tell me the way, then, and I will seek you? That I may surely be allowed to do. Yes, you may do that said he. But there is no way thither. It lies east of the sun and west of the moon, and never would you find your way there. 
When she awoke in the morning, both the prince and castle were gone, and she was lying on a small green patch in the midst of a dark, thick wood. By her side lay the self-same bundle of rags which she had brought with her from her own home. And when she had rubbed the sleep out of her eyes, and wept till she was weary, she set out on her way, and thus she walked for many and many a long day, until she came at last to a great mountain. Outside it, an aged woman was sitting, playing with a golden apple. The girl asked her if she knew the way to the prince, who lived with his stepmother in the castle which lay east of the sun and west of the moon, and who was to marry a princess with a nose which was three ells long. "'How do you happen to know about him?' inquired the old woman. "'Maybe you are she who ought to have had him.' "'Yes, indeed I am,' she said. "'So it is you, then?' said the old woman. "'I know nothing about him, but that he dwells in a castle which is east of the sun and west of the moon. You will be a long time in getting to it, if ever you get to it at all. But you shall have the loan of my horse, and then you can ride on it to an old woman who is a neighbor of mine. Perhaps she can tell you about him.' When you have got there, you must just strike the horse beneath the left ear and bid it go home again. But you may take the golden apple with you. So the girl seated herself on the horse and rode for a long, long way. And at last she came to the mountain where an aged woman was sitting outside with a gold carding comb. The girl asked her if she knew a way to the castle which lie east of the sun and west of the moon. But she said what the first old woman had said. I know nothing about it, but that it is east of the sun and west of the moon, and that you will have a long time getting to it, if ever you get there at all. But you shall have the loan of my horse to an old woman who lives the nearest to me. Perhaps she may know where the castle is, and when you have got to her, you must strike the horse beneath the left ear and bid it go home again. Then she gave her the gold carding comb, for it might, perhaps, be of use to her, she said. So the girl seated herself on the horse and rode a wearisome long way onward again, and after a very long time she came to a great mountain, where an aged woman was sitting spinning in a golden spinning wheel of this woman too she inquired if she knew the way to the prince and where to find the castle which lie east of the sun and west of the moon but it was only the same thing once again maybe it was you who should have had the prince said the old woman yes indeed i should have been the one said the girl but this old crone knew the way no better than the others it was east of the sun and west of the moon. She knew that. And you will be a long time getting to it if you get to it at all, she said. But you may have the loan of my horse, and I think you had better ride to the east wind and ask him. Perhaps he knows where the castle is and will blow you thither. But when you've got to him, you must strike the horse beneath the left ear, and he will come home again. And then she gave her the golden spinning wheel, saying, Perhaps you may have a fine use for it. 
The girl had to ride for a great many days and for a long and wearisome time before she got there, but at last she did arrive. And then she asked the east wind if he could tell her the way to the prince who dwelt east of the sun and west of the moon. Well, said the east wind, I have heard tell of the prince and of his castle, but I do not know the way to it, for I have never blown so far. But if you like, I will go with you to my brother, the West Wind. He may know that, for he is much stronger than I am. You may sit on my back, and then I can carry you there. So she seated herself on his back, and they did go swiftly. When they got there, the east wind went in and said that the girl whom he had brought was the one who ought to had the prince up at the castle, which lay east of the sun and west of the moon, and that now was traveling about to find him again. So he had come there with her, and would like to hear if the west wind knew the whereabouts of the castle. Nope, said the west wind. So far as that, I have never blown. But if you would like, I will go with you to the south wind, for he is much stronger than either of us, and he has roamed far and wide, and perhaps he can tell you what you want to know. You may seat yourself on my back, and then I will carry you to him. So she did this, and journeyed to the south wind. Neither was she very long on the way. When they had got there, the west wind asked him if he could tell her the way to the castle that lay east of the sun and west of the moon, for she was the girl who ought to marry the prince who lived there. Oh, indeed, said the south wind. Is that she? Well, said he, I have wandered a great deal in my time, and in all kinds of places, but I have never blown so far as that. If you like, however, I will go with you to my brother, the North Wind. He is the oldest and strongest of all of us. And if he does not know where it is, no one in the whole world will be able to tell you. You may sit upon my back, and then I will carry you there. So she seated herself on his back, and off he went from his house in great haste. And they were not long on the way. When they came to the north wind's dwelling, he was so wild and frantic that they felt cold gusts a long while before they got there. Shh, what do you want? He roared out from afar, and they froze as they heard. Said the south wind, It is I, and this is she who should have had that prince who lives in the castle, which lies east of the sun and west of the moon. And now she wishes to ask you if you have ever been there and can tell her the way, for she would gladly find him again. Yes, said the North Wind. I know where it is. I once blew an aspen leaf there. But I was so tired for many days afterward that I was not able to blow at all. However, if you really are anxious to go there and are not afraid to go with me, I will take you on my back, and try, if I can, blow you there. Get there I must, 
said she, and if there is any way of going, I will, and I have no fear, no matter how fast you go. Very well, then, said the North Wind, but you must sleep here tonight, for if we are ever to get there, we must have the day before us. The North Wind woke her betimes the next morning, and puffed himself up and made himself so big and so strong that it was frightful to see him. And away they went, high up through the air, as if they would not stop until they had reached the very end of the world. Down below there was such a storm, it blew down woods and houses, and when they were above the sea, ships were wrecked by the hundreds. And thus they tore on and on, and a long time went by. And then yet more time passed, and still they were above the sea, and the north wind grew tired, and more tired, and at last so utterly weary that he was scarcely able to blow any longer, and he sank, and sank, lower and lower, until at last he went so low that the waves dashed against the heels of the poor girl he was carrying. "'Art thou afraid?' said the North Wind. "'I have no fear,' said she. And it was true. But they were not very, very far from land, and there was just enough strength left in the North Wind to enable him to throw her onto the shore, immediately under the windows of a castle, which lie east of the sun and west of the moon. But then he was so weary and worn out that he was forced to rest for several days before he could go back to his own home again. Next morning, she sat down beneath the walls of the castle to play with the golden apple, and the first person she saw was the maiden with the long nose, who was to have the prince. "'How much do you want for that gold apple of yours, girl?' she said, opening the window. "'It can't be bought either for gold or money,' answered the girl. "'If it cannot be bought either for gold or money, what will buy it? "'You may say what you please,' said the princess. "'Well, if I may go to the prince who is here and be with him tonight, you shall have it,' said the girl who had come up with the north wind. Mm, "'You may do that,' said the princess, for she had made up her mind what she would do. So the princess got the golden apple, but when the girl went up to the prince's apartment that night, he was asleep for the princess had so contrived it. The poor girl called to him, and shook him, and between whiles she wept, but she could not wake him. And in the morning, as soon as day dawned, in came the princess with the long nose, and drove her out again. In the daytime she sat down once more beneath the windows of the castle, and began to card with her golden carding comb. And then all happened as it had happened before. The princess asked her what she wanted for it, and she replied that it was not for sale either for gold or money, but that if she could get leave to go to the prince and be with him during the night, she would have it. But when she went up to the prince's room, he was again asleep, and let her call him or shake him or weep as she would, he still slept on, and she could not put any life into him. When daylight came in the morning, the princess with the long nose came too, and once more drove her away. When day had quite come, the girl seated herself under the castle windows to spin with her golden spinning wheel, and the princess with the long nose wanted to have that also. 
So she opened the window and asked what she would take for it. The girl said what she had said on each of the former occasions, that it was not for sale, either for gold or for money. But if she could get leave to go to the prince who lived there and be with him during the night, she should have it. Yes, said the princess. I will gladly consent to that. But in that place, there were some Christian folk who had been carried off, and they had been sitting in the chamber which was next to that of the prince, and heard how a woman had been in there who had wept and called on him two nights running. They told the prince of this. So that evening, when the princess came down once more with her sleeping drink, he pretended to drink, but threw it away behind him, for he suspected that it was a sleeping drink. So when the girl went into the prince's room this time, he was awake, and she had to tell him how she had come there. "'You have come just in time,' said the prince, "'for I should be married tomorrow. "'But I will not have the long-nosed princess, "'and you alone can save me. "'I will say that I want to see what my bride can do, "'and bid her wash the shirt, "'which has the three drops of tallow on it. "'This she will consent to do, "'but she does not know that it is from you "'who let them fall on it. "'But no one can wash them out "'but one born of Christian folk.' It cannot be done by one of the pack of trolls. And then I will say that no one shall ever be my bride but the woman who can do this. And I know that you can. There was great joy and gladness between them all that night. But the next day, when the wedding was to take place, the prince said, I must see what my bride can do. That you may do, said the stepmother. I have a fine shirt, which I want to wear as my wedding shirt, but three drops of tallow have got upon it, which I want to have washed off, and I have vowed to marry no one but the woman who is able to do it. If she cannot do that, she is not worth having. Well, that was a very small matter, they thought, and agreed to do it. The princess with the long nose began to wash as well as she could, but the more she washed and rubbed, the larger the spots grew. "'You can't wash at all,' said the old troll hag who was her mother. "'Give it to me!' But she, too, had not the shirt very long in her hands before it looked worse still, and the more she washed and rubbed it, the larger and blacker grew the spots. So the other trolls had to come and wash, but the more they did, the blacker and uglier grew the shirt, until at length it was as black as if it had been up the chimney. "'Oh!' cried the prince." Not one of you is good for anything at all. There is a beggar girl sitting outside the window, and I'll be bound that she can wash better than any of you. Come in, you girl there, he cried. So she came in. Can you wash this shirt clean? he cried. Oh, I don't know, she said, but I will try. And no sooner had she taken the shirt and dipped it in the water than it was as white as driven snow, and even whiter than that. "'I will marry you,' said the prince. Then the old troll hag flew into such a rage that she burst. And the princess with the long nose and all the little trolls must have burst too, for they have never been heard of since.' The prince and his bride set free all of the Christian folk who were imprisoned there, and took away with them all the gold and silver that they could carry, and moved far away from the castle which lay east of the sun 
and west of the moon. Oh, Logan. Oh, that was... uh... (laughs) Long to be sure, but interesting and fun. It definitely... is full of fairy tale tropes, but it's it's it, still it really is it's, kind of unusual for a fairy tale. To me, it it feels like a just to jump back to our last week's episode that had kind of some Shrek elements in one of the stories. <laughs> uh, this one kind of fits in the same category with me uh, with Shrek in that it is a fairy tale made of other fairy tales, mm-hmm. and it has a ton of other elements all mashed together into one. And it's neat to see that come from a story that's already so. True. And I think one of my favorite parts of this story was the fact that the protagonist of this tale is this super strong woman who is on this quest to find her man, which is like, it's a trope, but it's a trope turned on its head. You know, yeah. Can we can we please applaud a fairy tale that doesn't have a princess stuck in a right? castle somewhere? And a tale from the mid eighteen hundreds at the very like, yeah. It's crazy. It's granted this tale goes back a, a much longer time than that. Really, it harkens back to the Beauty and the Beast. It harkens way way back to the tale of Cupid and Psyche. Um, it has mm. a lot of parallels to Cupid and Psyche. So, if you liked this tale, I mean, I recommend looking up, like, Bullfinch's mythology tale of Cupid and Psyche, or even just Googling it or something. But there's a a lot of parallels between the two. Anyway, uh, it's, so, it's a tale as old as time. (laughs) It really is, yeah. And and for me, I I, I didn't learn about, uh, you know, Cupid and Psyche until way later. But I definitely, upon first reading, when I when I encountered this story as as a kid, definitely saw Beauty and the Beast in mm-hmm. there. There's so much of the traditional. Uh, she's going after you know just the obvious ones. He's a, he's a bear, but sometimes a prince, and she can't get to know him on her terms. But if she had waited, uh, then everything would have yeah. worked out fine. I was really frustrated uh, during this tale, though, with the whole um, like it underlines how important communication is. Because yeah. if he had told her why she couldn't see him at night, it's a way less chance of a pro- it being a problem. Like if he'd why been she like, have to be up in his business, like, she just if he'd been like, you can't look at me for a year, and if you do that, I won't be a bear anymore, and everything yeah. will be fine. And she would have been like, oh, I understand why I can't. And she maybe she still would have done it, but like, yeah. there's a lot less chance that she would have done it. You know. I always like to buy into the idea in 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 most curses and in uh, our D and D game that a side note to any good curse is that you can't tell anyone the nature of the that's curse. Fair, that that's fair. That's fair. Because you're cheating. I don't remember it stipulating <laughs> that though. <laughs> Probably not. But but yeah, I get I get what you mean, and I will understand more about what you mean as our sessions progress. As as yes and and yes, we are still continuing yes. our D and D campaign. My devilly uh tiefling is still he's he's not a prisoner anymore under Lin- Lindsay's warden watchful eye <laughs> came to but, an agreement <laughs> yeah and killed so a lot of undead it was great adventuring through the things but yeah so back to the story my, my now my, my character is not quite as monstrous as this as this bear creature but really for being a bear never really was a, a monster really was a beast he was just a scary idea yeah well i mean even as a bear he was like this civilized talking bear that goes up to people and requests their daughter's hand 
and offers them money. Like he's he's definitely mm-hmm. like a person that's a bear, like an anthropomorphized giant polar bear. Yeah. Right. I mean Yeah. <laughs> um And in the in the Mercer Maya version, he grabbed elements of the frog prince. And when you first encounter the prince character, he's a frog. Oh, really? Uh yeah. That's and different. kind of the the only two the only thing the two have in common in my mind is that they're both undesirable. They both uh are not what one would consider a dream husband. <laughs> right. They're um, animals. That is a big a yeah. big turn off for a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so now then there then he, he gets taken off uh away to the, the troll princess. That's also the same in the in the Mercer in the Mercer Mayor version. And the image of all of these trolls and goblins coming from every shadow in the room and grabbing the prince and dragging him away. Uh, that I actually had the chance years ago uh, to direct uh, like a uh, kind of like a theater summer camp. And for uh, the, the finish on these summer camp, we had to do a little recital. So for my students, I wrote the script of East of the Sun, West of the Moon. Oh, that's cool. And... When that, when we had the chance to choreograph that scene, it was really exciting with crazy lights, and all of a sudden, all of the performers would leap out of the different shadows and grab onto the the prince character and haul them away, gibbering and cackling. It was it was very much something out of Labyrinth. <laughs> love it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it, I, and I I think it's fun in this story how they they don't really talk about her like the long nosed maiden being a troll until like the very end. Yeah, for me, because I was introduced to this story with her being yeah, a troll totally princess and having an illustration mm-hmm. in my mind, she's she's a troll right from the start. But if you really listen to the text, and for some of you that this is the first time you've heard this story, maybe you didn't quite think she was a troll princess from the beginning. Yeah, um, they just are really very clear. not okay with long-nosed people. How rude of yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> Granted. As, as, as someone who often has to turn their head sideways to drink out of a soda can, <laughs> I, I take a little bit of yeah, offense. You know, long-nosed jerks. people need love, too. I felt a little you know? bad for her until she was such a dick to the main character with, with this whole, like, deceiving her, um, you know, at the end and, like, not letting her or, like, drugging the prince have him be asleep and making deals with to get all these golden baubles and stuff and then i was like you know i don't feel bad (laughs) i don't think it's her nose that is the problem i think she's just a horrible person she has some other toxic elements to her that that she needs to work on and (laughs) for uh, sure i mean she's also a troll so that might contribute but (laughs) and this is also what always has always uh, always stood out to me in this story is the bursting at the right. end. <laughs> great visual. That is such a great fate for any good villain. Totally. Um, to get so thoroughly thwarted and frustrated just that you just burst like a pimple. <laughs> <laughs> just All villains should do that. That's a good and proper <laughs> sound uh, fate for a villain. Especially right in a fairy tale. We know there won't be a sequel. For sure. <laughs> um, I mean, there, there were elements to the story that were kind of repetitive. Like, she met what felt like the same old woman three times, you know, getting different, yeah. a different thing each time. But then she had to meet each of the four winds to finally get to the North wind who take her somewhere. And, you know, there were a lot of elements where 
I, I think that the the purpose was to kind of just illustrate how long and arduous her journey was. I think so. I This is a journey that is supposed to be just in all of creation. Uh, you yeah. know, uh, you travel east of the sun, west of the moon, and, and when you get to the palace, you will not find a welcome there. It's, it's supposed uh, to be hard. I mean, you're, you're journeying yeah. through multiple problems to get to something that's worth the reward. Like, you... You're not going to deserve what you get if you don't figure out a way to, like, get through all of these tough battles or these tough issues or whatever. Yeah. Now, in the game of relationships, you can never really ask yourself the the question of what if. But do you think it would have been as magical and wonderful a relationship if she had just followed the rules and waited out the curse and he wasn't a prince anymore. Mm, that's a good Do question. Think she... I think that yeah. maybe because honestly, like he picked her because she was beautiful and she decided it does suddenly, count for something. Well, she decided <laughs> suddenly after seeing this one glimpse of him in like the light of the candle that he was beautiful too. So, course they were meant to be together like she didn't Mm -hmm. even have much time to really decide that they were meant to be but somehow they are because it's a fairy tale i don't think that it would have been as strong like there was clearly something pushing her to go Mm -hmm. make this long journey it's hard to say Uh, to me i just the only thing i take away from it is that uh usually with you know, when uh, considering the concept of love and relationships and everything like that, um, so much of it is being in the right place on your own before you can love somebody else. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it takes a journey to get yeah, there. Some people never do get there. You yeah. know, and it it is hard. Um, but sorry if you're. I'm not sure if the mic's picking it up, but we have got a serious hailstorm outside. <laughs> I can hear it a little. Uh, so yeah, you get some ambiance, guys. Lucky I hope you. everyone is safe and warm where <laughs> they are. It's <laughs> we've got an, a very aggressive weather system moving through. Um. Anyway, so let's see. We talked about how repetitive it was, um, and it being yeah, that long and actually, journey. um, one thing that's kind of uh, funny. The, the Mercer Mayer version, again, I hate to keep on hearkening back to it because, because it's kind of a newer one. It's not in the public domain, and I don't know Mercer Mayer's email, so <laughs> we, we couldn't get a hold of him to read his version of the story. We'll link it. But in his, in, 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 yeah, in his modern interpretation of it, he doesn't send the character to all four of the winds and to the same, same old woman. He sends her to, first she goes and meets the great fish, who is kind of the spirit of, of the ocean and the water and lives in the deep places of the world. Then she travels to the top of the great mountain and meets the salamander, which is this great fire dragon creature that is the, it, he, he's in the heart of the world and knows all the secrets. Okay. And, and he sends her, sends her along to finally meet the north wind. Or elemental. And having those kind of elemental nature to it added another level to the story for me. But it's something that was uh, was it was added on as a revision later on. That's understandable when you're making a kid's book and you need beautiful illustrations and you need to condense the tale because it's a long tale. So it makes a lot of sense that that there were some creative choices made in retelling. Yeah. But I, I know that there was also there was a Don Bluth film in the works for this tale for a super long time. 
Like it made I it. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, it made it through most of production and then it lost funding for some reason and just never oh, got bummer. released, which is a huge bummer. So, I mean, maybe. To Kickstarter, <laughs> right? let's make it maybe happen. Maybe somebody will pick this back up again. I hope that they do. Come on, Netflix. This is why you exist. Right. We should, we should email someone. Find abandoned someone. projects and finish funding those. <laughs> I mean, it's Don Bluth. We all loved our Thumbelina time. And, yeah. you know, I mean, everything. All dogs do go yeah, to heaven. Everything out of that studio is like a huge part of my childhood. And I probably yours too, I assume. It, yeah, it was it was really the one of the first viable Disney alternatives. Um, for sure. For, for, for kids who like animation. I mean, yeah, there's lots of other things to do in the world, but sometimes... Well, it's Disney or not Disney. And Don Bluth offered a very good uh, uh, alternate perspective on storytelling. Did he do, did he do Fern Gully too? I can't remember. Mm, I think it feels so. like his I animation could be wrong. style. I often am, but it, uh, on this one, yeah. I'm going to say yes. It, I'm, I'm thinking back to like Thumbelina and All Dogs, and it feels like the same type of animation. So it possibly is. That was a great show. Was that L- Little Nemo as well? Was it? Oh, I think it might, might have, been. have been. That was. Seems like something like one Google search <laughs> could tell us, but we'd rather just, <laughs> we'll just conjecture it around here, here on our podcast. Little Nemo, Little, Mean, Little Nemo's Adventures in Slumberland was one of my absolute favorite movies as a kid. Like I watched it yeah. all of the time. As much as you liked this Mercer Mayer book, that was me with Little Nemo's Adventures nice. in Slumberland. Like I still remember that film vividly. It's so good. Well, maybe. <laughs> Yeah. And it's based maybe off. We should find a way to work fairy tale movies in right, as well I know. for discussion. Maybe we should. <laughs> yeah. Well, do we have anything on uh, anything else on East of the Sun, West of the Moon? I did want to talk um, about the fact that this girl she she's very brave in this story. You know, this oh she totally, totally sheltered yeah. young girl who's going through all of these trials. Like even just leaving, she was like, "I'm not scared," and then and she, the wind. She I'm goes not scared on. On principle, she goes through all of these things because she knows that to be true to herself, she has to. Um, right, exactly. Nobody, nobody's saying, you know, no one's making her do any of this. She could go home anytime. Yeah, totally. And, and she's, um, she's very brave. However, she is not very smart <laughs> in some instances. Well, not, not every great adventurer <laughs> is all the time. I mean, like she, with her talking to the troll princess multiple times and like getting like she never picks up on the fact that the prince is like suddenly asleep and she can't wake him up for three nights in a row or like two nights but she she doesn't figure it out the prince figures it out convenient for narration like Um, she's like oh well i'll just make the deal again and i'll make it again and then i'll make it again you know like yeah not the brightest she's brave just maybe not smart but in she's good at what she's but good in at. any relationship, some people are better at things than others. So that mm. is what it is, right? <laughs> I don't know. It just stuck out to me. I was like, "Girl, you need to just figure it out. <laughs> Come on." Yeah, but the, you know that's that's kind of the way with the with good storytelling. You can't you can't have characters that are smarter than the audience. Oh no, that's then the audience can't keep up. You should know this from American films. It's, it's true. You have to explain well, everything granted, four the times. The prince had help in figuring out that he was getting being given a sleeping potion. Like hit the neighboring random Christians that are in mm-hmm. this troll castle for some reason. Captured to be fed guess, to lions. Yeah, are the ones that, t- <laughs> that told him <laughs> that there might be an issue. So, 
<laughs> I don't know. It's a fairy tale. Anything can get skewed any which way. So it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but but it was a good one. I hope everyone out there liked it. It's uh, it's one of my yeah, favorites. Enjoyable tale for it sure. In. Very. Um, it it evoked a lot of old reminders of fairy tales that I listened to growing up. It is one that you listened to growing up. Like, yeah, it's it's a good tale. I mean, if you want to read this to your kids we'll post a link to the mercer mayor book in our show notes um we'll post links to the both of the original tales that these are from they're essentially the same text the other one is just a little more archaic they use the word thither a lot rather than there Oh, it's a lot of dithering and yawn but um but we'll post links to those as well as along with our polar bear drink for the night um and then we will be back uh next week with some more scandinavian folktales and then the week after that with um one of logan's very favorite creatures yeah. i get to do something scandinavian i'm so excited yeah, he's, oh, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. he's so excited guys <laughs> you have no idea it's gonna be a <laughs> lot of enthusiasm coming through that microphone into your ears from logan in a couple weeks I'm, I'm going to need to move some furniture so I've got room to move around. <laughs> Probably. I gotta- need like a mic that hooks onto your shirt so you can just like bellow <laughs> and raise your arms. It'll it'll be one, one to remember for, for sure. For sure. <laughs> but yeah, that's it for us tonight. So just as a reminder, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Folklore on the Rocks. You can find us on Twitter at Folklore Rocks. <laughs> uh, we've got pictures, notes, sources on our website at FolkloreOnTheRocks.com. We do have a Patreon as well as a PayPal button on our site. Same one that you've heard Patreon, I think, is just patreon.com slash Folklore on the Rocks. Pretty easy. Um, we are still doing free stickers if you write us a review and send a screenshot in. Even if you don't want stickers, please feel free to just rate us and leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or Facebook. They are all very helpful and help us want to keep making episodes. <laughs> they help our uh, our self-confidence and, you know... Yeah, our it's, drive. It's a really nice way to communicate directly with us that you enjoy what we're doing and and you appreciate it and support yeah. it. So yeah, thank seriously. you. Um, and then as an added bonus to that, we once we hit those hundred reviews and we're we're pretty slow, like we're slowly getting there, but we're getting there. Um, we will do a bonus episode with a listener selected creature for you guys. Yep, and it, it's no rules. It's it's, I don't care if you it's an want. A-lister. If, if, if it's something that you guys want, mm-hmm. we'll do yep. it. And so. if you want to get in early and sending suggestions in for that, feel free to. Twitter's a great way of getting a hold of us. Uh, we've also got our email. You can just email admin at folkloreontherocks.com, whatever works for you. Um, but in addition to that, just tell your friends. Uh, word of mouth is the best possible thing that you can do marketing-wise for us. Send us to anybody that you know of that would like the kind of content that we've got. Please feel free to. Yeah. But yeah, uh, thanks again for listening, and we hope you tune in to us next Sunday. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.